Welcome to Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. This episode is brought to you by Our Visual Brain. Our Visual Brain is a perceptual and academic skill-building platform doctors and patients use together. We have been utilizing this web-based platform during both our in-office and teletherapy sessions and have seen great engagement and progress in our patients from their activities. The website is comprised of 50 plus game series with well over 200 activities that are made with direct input from both vision therapists and doctors. They cover basic to advanced skill levels and have innovative anti-suppression and MFBF activities. Their ability to support diverse learning styles for all ages makes working on perceptual and academic skills fun and engaging for patients. OVB packs a ton of value into their packages because they want you to help as many patients as you can. Sign up for the most popular option, the Clinic Plus account, which provides unlimited use of their entire library, and they will throw in 25 free annual home programs. Visit their website at www.rvisualbrain.com to learn more. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. We are going to talk about our weekly insight that came kind of out of a unique situation. My husband and I grabbed a Snapple for lunch this weekend, which is not something we usually drink. And, you know, they still have the real facts on the top of the lid. And it was real fact A25, I saved the top. And it says, our eyes are always the same size from birth, but our nose and our ears never stop growing. So my husband was like, wow, our eyes are the same size. That's so cool. And I was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> I don't actually know if the Snapple facts are true. I don't, I'm not really 100% certain, but I was like, this one's definitely not. So I was explaining to him that certain parts of the eye definitely stay the same, but the eyeball does in fact grow and elongate. And especially if you're nearsighted, it actually keeps growing and getting longer. So I have to tell Snapple that uh, this one isn't true. So I just thought it was so interesting that this was on a Snapple fact bottle and that that's the one that we chose. Right. So interesting. I mean, I always take those at face value, right? I'm, I'm very gullible. If you tell me something is a fact, I say, oh, okay, that's so interesting. So now I'm going to be a little bit more mindful of those facts that I read. Mm-hmm. And on today's episode, we are going to be continuing our sports vision series and talking about concussions a little bit with our one of our favorite local concussion specialists, Dr. Danielle DiGiorgio. She is a non-operative sports medicine physician. She is a native of Long Island, graduating from Longwood High School as a three-sport athlete. She attended Stony Brook University on a full athletic scholarship and served as captain of the women's basketball team. After obtaining her medical degree from New York College of Osteopathic Medicine, Dr. DiGiorgio completed an internship at Brookhaven Memorial Hospital, followed by a residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation at Stony Brook University Medical Center, where she served as a chief resident in her senior year. In addition, Dr. DiGiorgio completed training in structural acupuncture at Harvard Medical School. Following her residency, Dr. DiGiorgio went on to complete a fellowship in sports medicine at Christiana Care, serving as a fellow team physician for the University of Delaware, Delaware State University, as well as for local high school teams. 
Dr. DiGiorgio is the Director of Regenerative Medicine and is an Assistant Clinical Professor with the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation within the Stony Brook University School of Medicine. She is dual board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation and sports medicine. She is a member of the American Academy of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine, and the American College of Sports Medicine. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle. We are so excited to have you join us this morning and chat with you. And tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and your journey to becoming a sports medicine doctor and working with the concussion population. All right. Thanks so much, Jess. Thanks uh, for having me, ladies. It's uh, really a pleasure to get to see you guys again. Um, So my journey was, I guess, a pretty interesting one. So I know there's these kids who like wake up one day and they're like, oh, I can't wait to be a doctor. I absolutely never wanted to be a doctor. I, my mom used to watch a surgery channel and I was like, oh God, turn that off. What are you watching? Um, But since that time um, I went to uh, college, I played basketball there. And um, I was sitting in this class called Drugs in the Brain. It was a neuropsychology class by Professor Whitaker. And all of a sudden I had this epiphany. I was like, oh my gosh, I think I want to be a doctor. And so, um, you know, my original plan was to be a school psychologist and a coach. And in that moment, I was like, oh, I absolutely need to become a doctor. And then it was on. Um, Sports medicine was a really a natural fit for me. I was a three-sport athlete in high school. Again, played basketball at Stony Brook. They had their first ever appearances, Division One NCAA tournament, which was super cool this year. So um, anyway, shout out to them. And um, yeah, so the journey of being into sports medicine was kind of a no-brainer. And then once I was in the sports medicine field, you know, you really start to see the, the care of an athlete from the other side, which is really, really a lot of fun. Um, Interestingly, during my career as an athlete, I never had a concussion and I really wasn't around a lot of athletes with concussions. At least they didn't diagnose them back then. But when I got to the point of becoming a physician and taking care of athletes, I realized that that was something that was pretty prevalent and uh, could be really uh, detrimental to an athlete's career. So something I think that's interesting about you is that you're not just a, a doctor of osteopath, right? But you also have training in acupuncture. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you wanted to learn that and where you went and all of that? Because I think it's really unique and not something that a lot of uh, physicians in this field have under their belt. Right. So, um, you know, as I was going through my training, I actually uh, ran into a resident who was trained in acupuncture. And I have to tell you, I wasn't really a believer at the time. I didn't really know much about it. I was like, what are you doing exactly? And um, patients were really just really excited about it. And I said to him, Jason, you know, what is this? Tell me more about it. He was like, Daniel, you have to look into it. And so um, while I was in my third year of residency, I took a course up at Harvard, uh, an acupuncture course for physicians. And it really helps you to blend the Eastern and Western cultures of medicine. So I don't purely practice Eastern or Western. It kind of gives you a a wholeness and a vision of of how you can take care of a patient. and patients respond really well to acupuncture. Uh, so it's fun. It's, it's really, a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that we really align with our treatment approach because we're not just looking at the patient from one perspective. We're trying to look at the body in totality because yeah. everything needs to function in order for us to be able to function in the world and all of the pieces to the puzzle have to fit together. So let's talk about concussions because they're complex. Um, let's just kind of give our listeners like the rundown of 
how do they occur, what's the mechanism of action, and maybe even some common symptoms following a concussion. Uh, like, Because like you said, they were just never really diagnosed before. And in the past, I would say 10, you know, it's eight, 10 years, it's really become on the forefront of awareness for athletes of concussions. But let's just kind of back up and, and go through all of the things with concussions. Sure. So yeah, absolutely. This definitely was not at the forefront of sports medicine for, for a while. And, um, you know, the, the mechanism of action is pretty straightforward. I mean, you either get hit right in the head, which is like the most obvious thing, right? Or it could be something like an indirect hip, like a, a whiplash injury. So an indirect that turns into a whiplash, it's an acceleration, deceleration uh, injury. And what that basically means is the body will hit the ground. Maybe the head doesn't hit the ground, but there'll be a whipping action of the, of the neck. And um, what happens at that point is the brain tries to figure out how to cope with what's going on. And there's a neurochemical imbalance. And anytime we have an imbalance in the body, there's going to be symptoms that uh, come about. Um, so again, this is a functional problem of the brain and not a structural part of the brain. So just to sit there for a second, a lot of patients will talk about CT scans, MRI scans, and they were negative and how they don't have a concussion. And I know this has been touched on before, but I just want to hit the point again, that when a patient walks into the office and they're like, oh, it's fine. Uh, no, it's not. It's like picking, you know, looking at its beautiful TV in the store and you're like, oh man, this is high def. It's beautiful. Whatever you take a picture of the TV looks great. You get it home. It doesn't work. So it's a functional problem, not a structural problem. So, um, what is the symptoms that come from a concussion? The most common is headache. Everyone knows about headache and a concussion, but they don't always have headaches. You can have sensitivity to light, sound, nausea, vomiting, um, fatigue, um, difficulty sleeping. Uh, sometimes there's a loss of consciousness, but that's actually pretty rare. Um, dizziness, personality changes, and of course, visual deficits, right? So blurry vision, double vision, don't want to open my eyes vision. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. an accurate, accurate description. <laughs> right. I remember then, it well. <laughs> right. And so then those are the patients that when you're evaluating them, you send them to us <laughs> to have their vision therapy evaluation. And, you know, we're looking for if they're having those symptoms, we're looking for how the eyes are aligned, working together as a team, how the eye muscles are focusing, how they're tracking, because those areas can very commonly be impacted by a concussion. Because if you think about it, a lot of your visual processing and visual information um, lives in your frontal lobe and occipital lobe. So the front and back of your brain, which are the areas that are most susceptible during a concussion injury. So we very often come into play. Um, and you interestingly yourself a few years ago experienced a concussion and came in to see us for a vision therapy evaluation. So I'd like to talk a little bit about your personal experience with your concussion, seeing us for that evaluation, going through some vision therapy with us, and then how that experience kind of changed your care for your patients, you know, being in their position. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was the, quite an interesting event. So imagine you play three sports through high school, you play four years division one basketball and never have a concussion. Then you're at a charity event, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and you, you know, so um, I was at a charity event and it was, uh, it was called do it for David. It was actually for a young boy with muscular dystrophy that my colleague was hosting at a CrossFit gym. And so I, you know, it's like the glory days came back to me. I'm pulling a sled, I'm pulling it forward and I'm winning. Right. And I'm so stoked. So then I'm pulling the sled backwards. And then I just lost my athletic stance and really stood up tall. And I slammed my head on the pavement pretty hard. Um, 
And you know, what's really unfortunate is I take care of concussions and I tell patients, as soon as you have a head injury, that might be, you know, it's better to sit it out and, and, you know, rest because you may need, you might have a concussion, but no, I don't do that. Of course not. So I keep, I keep running my race. I'm lifting for the rest of the day and I'm not feeling so hot, but I'm like, I'm fine, whatever, because of course I'm thick headed like every other athlete I see until finally it must've been about a week later. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even concentrate. Like everything was wrong. And so I was only my first year of practice. So I'm thinking I can't really take time off. I'm trying to, you know, show what I'm made of at this point. I can't just take off, but I had really no choice. And I actually had just met you ladies not too long before that for the first time. And now I really needed visual training. Like I needed to go back to basics. Um, and I came in to see you and I was so humbled and so embarrassed because I couldn't even spell my name at this point. And I was like, they must think I'm so stupid. Um, and I, I remember it so well, like I couldn't even fill out my paperwork because I couldn't concentrate. And you, you ladies were just awesome. Like you took such good care of me. And you took me right from where I was and just made me feel comfortable and took me right to the end, which is, you know, back where I am now. Thank God. F full function, at least I'd like to call it that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I remember at one point you guys said to me, you're reading at the sixth grade level. And I'm like, oh God, that was like 20 years ago. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it, it was a really interesting experience. Um, and I will say that as a physician now, I don't think that I've changed what I do for the patients, but I, I think I, I sympathize with them a lot more. And I understand the vulnerability of sitting in that, on that table and thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to be myself again, or I'm fine. Just let me play because being in that vulnerable state is a really difficult place to be. Um, but there's really some light at the end of the tunnel in knowing one, I could tell them about my experience and to tell them, listen, I've actually gone to see these people when I was, you know, in a bad place. So I know that they're going to be able to do for you what they did for me. And they're not going to make you feel scared and they're not going to make you feel vulnerable. They're going to take you from where you are and get you to where you need to be. And you're not going to lose your valedictorian status or you're not going to lose your, your edge in game. You're going to get where you need to go. You know, I really like that you touched on that vulnerability piece because when patients do come to us, you know, I think traditionally they think of an eye doctor, right? Like I don't need glasses. I can see, I don't know why my doctor is making me come here. And, but then you start to delve in and say like, can you read? Can, <laughs> can you look at your phone for more than 10 minutes? Can you, do you understand what you read? And that's the one that most people often say to us, like, no, you know, I, I'm reading and I, I don't understand what I've read and I have to reread and reread. And then I just put it away. And a lot of it is avoidance. They're like, eh, nah, I'm, I'm too old to read. I don't, I just don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really liked that you hit on that vulnerability piece because it's scary to be in that zone when you don't feel like yourself, right? Like I didn't, I actually didn't realize that you were in your first year of practice when we saw you. I had, I, I wasn't aware of that. And I can imagine you feeling like, this is just the start of my career. Am I going to be back? Because you were, you were uh, pretty symptomatic. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I do always actually reference you when we do that visograph where we check the eye movements while you're reading. And for the listeners that don't know, it looks at bare bones eye movements, but it chugs out a number called your grade level efficiency. So it's not your reading level. It's just how efficient are your eye movements. And I say, I had a concussion doctor that, obviously is incredibly intelligent, but she was reading. Her efficiency was 
at a sixth grade level. And we needed to bridge that gap and get her back on track. And we were able to do that. And I think it, again, from a practitioner standpoint, when you can sympathize with the patient, it makes that much more believable, right? Because they hear this voodoo of vision therapy, like, what is that? Like, what do you mean? I'm going to learn how to read again. Like, give me a break. Um, so when you can say, no, like, take a step back, you can do it. I, I think that that just makes, like I said, as practitioners, us a little bit more human um, and say, like, this is an experience that I had and I can, and, uh, and I'm back to myself. And right. that that's really, you know, our goal, you know, especially as uh, concussion doctors, right? Like your goal is just to get them back to where they, where they were pre-concussion. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty, like I said, you're uh, so unique that you were able to kind of have that experience. I mean, I'm sure you don't wish you didn't get a concussion, but uh. <laughs> honestly, at this point, I'm glad that I did because it really did help in the beginning. It was obviously a huge hindrance, but at this point, I'm, I'm almost glad it happened to me because although it was a hurdle to get over, it definitely helped me, I think, to be a better concussion doctor. Um, and you know what I found really cool on the doctor side of things was actually when I was in visual therapy, the way that you guys approached so many, you know, one problem from so many different ways. And I guess that speaks to the totality of how you treat a patient because there were some things that you asked me to do and I was unable to do it, but then you address the problem from a different area. So I was able to accomplish something, but from where my brain was capable of accepting it. Um, and honestly, as a physician, we don't learn what you guys learn to this degree of how to fix it, right? So we can recognize it as a problem but then seeing how many different avenues you could actually address it was really wild when I actually could remember what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really try to approach our patients from that multifactorial standpoint. And, you know, nobody, nobody has the same brain as somebody else, especially right. a brain that's healing from a brain injury. And that's what a concussion is. So, you know, we really try to approach our patients um, in a on a very individual basis and really look at them and what their capabilities are and how they're healing and try to really incorporate that into their therapy. So we've been knee deep in a sports vision series and we've been talking all about vision enhancement and how to become a better athlete through vision training. So this question is um, kind of twofold. As an athlete yourself, yourself, did you ever do any vision training at all? Now, like retrospectively, even though it may have not been like formal vision training, did you ever do any as, as an athlete? So I think, you know, if you look at it kind of from a big picture standpoint, we did work like a fastball drill. So we'd catch tennis balls and they'd be thrown kind of all over just to make sure that we were able to, I guess it's hand-eye coordination, but, but still having awareness from all different areas or like stand in the middle of a circle and just have people throw balls and passes at you. So you would be kind of quick to look around and see what was going, you know, and uh, react to what was happening. Um, my coach always would talk about court awareness, which really just speaks to being aware of everything that's around you. Um, but I think the ball drills are probably the most um, translatable, if you will, uh, right. to, to what you're talking about. So the reason why I want to bring this up is because you know, we're thinking, and you're always thinking, right, as a sports medicine doc, how can we keep our athletes safe? Like, how can we not, I'm here to treat the concussion, but how can we prevent the concussion? Um, so I, we've talked about it a few times on the podcast, but there's that uh, study that came out of the University of Ohio that linked vision training to reducing concussions in football players. And I think this is like, should be blasted everywhere because if we can prevent the concussion, that's the most important thing. And sometimes it's split seconds 
of moving your body in a different way to avoid that head on hit. Um, so when you're talking with your patients that have sustained a concussion, because you know, the concern is always multiple concussions after, right? Do you talk to them, uh, it, say they don't have any visual issues. Do you talk to them about potentially doing vision training or becoming, you know, how does it have, I guess the real question is like, how do you approach a patient who has had a concussion and talking about pro- concussion prevention with them for after? This is, this could be a talk for, for hours. So it's interesting because in sports medicine, I guess, because we were late to diagnosing concussions, I think we're late to try to prevent them at this point. And I think we're trying to play catch up now. When, when someone comes into my office and has a hamstring injury, we're very, we understand the progression. It's very linear. We understand how to prevent hamstring injuries in the future. And we focus on prevention in that regard. But when it comes to concussion, this hasn't been a, a point of conversation, at least not nearly as much as it should be as it is as now. Um, that study, I think, is pivotal. And I think what we really should do is integrate visual training into every program. Because first of all, it's going to make you a better athlete because you're going to be more aware of what's going on around you. That just makes you better. And then again, it can also prevent you from getting that major hit, like you said. Um, and, and you're not talking about a large sum of time that they really requires. You're talking about 15, 20 minutes a week. It's not like you're talking about, you know, an hour every day, you know, if it's an hour every day, they're not going to have time to do that, but everyone has 20 minutes someplace. No, absolutely. I think that's a really good point that it doesn't have to be very labor intensive as vision enhancement training. And it's really something that can really go hand in hand with other training that athletes are already doing and be very complementary to their normal training schedule. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this large additive thing to their schedule that they're doing because athletes are, are very, very busy and every minute is really accounted for between training and games and their schedule is very full, but this is something that very easily can be um, added in and have such an impact because I think there is such a hot topic in concussion prevention. And really, you know, one part of this study that was put out was they, they've tried to do things with look at helmets for football, let's say, and making helmet modifications really isn't changing the incidence of concussion. So then there really has to be, you know, a different approach than just protective gear because that's really not doing enough. No. And honestly, if, you know, when you talk to athletes and you say this can make you a better athlete, there's really not going to be too many, too many things they're not willing to do, right? They'll take supplements, they'll climb up to a mountain and train so that they have better endurance. They'll, you know, now they're trying to focus on sleep, which is really important to optimize performance. Um, you know, they're willing to do it. We, as the providers, the coaches, you know, the athletic trainers, we need to bring these opportunities to the athletes. And I think they'll, I think they'll be more than happy to do it. They just have to, you have to get the people who are coaching these athletes um, and surrounding these athletes to really bring it to light, what opportunities are available to them. I, I, I think that if I had some places readily send patients for this, it would be part of my conversation all the time. Ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, hundred (laughs) percent. So now I do want to just circle back to, um, concussion and your uh, recommendations for our listeners, um, you know, not every bump to the head is a concussion, right? Right. Can you give our listeners like, when should they seek treatment for a concussion? And is it ever too late to get concussion treatment? Uh, so to answer that last part, it's never too late. Uh, but the earlier you come, the much easier it is to treat. 
Um, and you're right. Every time you get hit in the head, you don't have a concussion, which is why contact sports even can exist. Uh, otherwise, you know, you play football and the first tackle would be all over up, oh, stop the game. We're done. <laughs> um, you know, if you start to have symptoms after you get hit or you take a very hard hit and you just don't feel like yourself, um, that's kind of an indication. If you have a headache um, after you take a hit, it might just be a post-traumatic headache and that can happen. It can take up to 72 hours for full symptoms to develop. So just because, you know, the first day you're like, ah, I'm fine. You just want to go back out there. The answer is you might not actually be fine. It might take a couple of days for those, uh, those symptoms to progress. So I would say, you know, if you have a headache within the first 24 hours, but it goes away, you know, the next two days, you should kind of take it easy. But if no other symptoms come about, generally speaking, you should be okay. It can take up to a week, but usually that first 72 hours is key. If you have any other symptoms, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, you're super fatigued, um, just not feeling yourself a little dazed and confused, um, those are all red flags. Like you should absolutely be seen by a concussion doctor. That doesn't mean you have to go to the emergency room right away, but um, because they're, they're not going to do much for you outside of give you a note to get you out of gym and sport, but um, there's no reason for a scan at that point. Right. I love those recommendations. I think that's really sound advice to anyone listening out there. And for our people listening that are looking for a sports medicine doctor or athletes who maybe have experienced concussions or, you know, want to learn more about concussion, concussion prevention, where can they find you? That is a good question. So uh, you can go to our website at oli.com, O-A-L-I.com. Um, I also have a Facebook page, Danielle DiGiorgio D-O. Um, I try to put some fun facts and videos up on that webpage. Um, and if you want to call the office, the number is 631-689-4196. Perfect. So I will uh, link all of that for our listeners. And Danielle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience and all your knowledge. I know all of my patients that are treated by you end up getting back on track and they're so appreciative of all of your care. So thank you again. Awesome. My pleasure, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020, and follow us on Instagram. For additional content, check out our practice, Twin Forks Optometry, on both Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.